everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Awaken Together podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Jen. And in today's episode, we are talking about loving kindness, how loving yourself makes others feel okay to do the same, thus making the world a better place. Beautiful topic. But before we get into it, we figured we'd give a little life update. It feels like a long time since we've dropped in. Um, So the first update for our actual podcast is we are doing an April giveaway. So if you share any of the posts from the Awaken Together page and tag Awaken Together podcast, we will see your submission and we're going to draw a special winner to receive one of three options for me and Kat to do a one-on-one session with you. Um, And in personal Jen's life, um, I'm really still getting settled from the year of traveling. I'm trying to really find balance in doing physical therapy job and then also still doing kind of this more expansive side of myself where I've been really into helping guide others through a spiritual healing journey. Um, So I'm trying to kind of navigate my hours appropriately for the two worlds. And honestly, it's been really nice to put like, yeah, 25 hours into the physical therapy worlds and then save some hours for kind of my creative spirit. So I've been finding balance in that. It's so nice to be in Denver and get to experience the city again and live close to Kat. It's been (laughs) so great to have you back in Denver and like we're recording in person, which we weren't for all of last year. And so it still feels like a treat. And this is actually uh, our first time recording in my new house. A big clap, everyone. <laughs> yes, so I've shared some of the turmoil that happened in the whole home buying process. And like when we finally bought the house, there were cockroaches and a break in and just like everything that could have gone wrong, it felt like did. But now we're in a point where we've been living here for like three weeks and it feels like home. And honestly, it looks like home. Like it's very impressive. Like I came in and yeah, she's killed it. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I've been kind of treating it as my full-time job, (laughs) decorating, settling in, but I feel like I'm really living by my New Year's intention of rooting. So I have this going on. I'm also like interviewing for my first uh, corporate job role in like so long. And I mean, it's my first interview at a corporate place in like four and a half years. Mm. So please send me all of your good energy. (laughs) By the time this episode comes out, I will know if it's happening or not. So uh, yeah, all the good juju, please. (laughs) (laughs) I love the ups and downs. I also love that. Yeah. On this journey, when we first started the podcast, we had both like you know, completely cleared our plate so that we could try to create and um, kind of manifest the stuff that we were deeply craving and wanting into our reality. And now we're kind of both at an integration place. So it's really cool. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like, we're not going to forget or leave anything that we've learned or done. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, entering this next new chapter of our lives, how can we take all of our passions and make it work for like, all the things we want and need right now. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so as we delve into this topic, we wanted to first take turns just sharing our kind of self-love journey in short, just to give you some references of 
the ups and downs of that journey, the takeaways, and really introduce kind of the shadow side that you have to face in order to cultivate a real relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kat, you want to start us off? On- sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have lovingly referenced my dark cat days many a time on here. Dark cat. <laughs> uh, my times in high school and um, yeah, really just high school were my darkest days, but uh, definitely struggled with insecurities, my confidence uh, for a long time. And of course I'm human. And so I still have days like that. Um, but those days are farther and fewer in between since I have been, you know, doing this work for years on end now of self-love and acceptance. Really, uh, that's the key to it all is acceptance. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, But for me, you know, it started out as like a weight thing. And that was like the thing, the area of my life that I could kind of point to uh, rather than like facing my internal demons of, oh, these toxic personality traits or like Mm -hmm. how I'm showing up in my relationships. Like, no, for me, it all just came bubbling down to my weight. But once I was able to establish a healthy relationship with my weight and with my self-image and my body, that's when I was able to start doing healing work on like my thoughts, my thought patterns, my triggers, my emotions, my defenses, my protections, um, all these different parts of myself that I had never really faced before. Um, And I like to call that my inner critic. So the inner critic, the inner best friend, we've also talked about um, in the past on here as well. And I really like to think of the inner best friend as like your highest self, your true self. But Jen, I want to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely take on that like inner critic role because I had a super loud inner critic. But here's the funny part. Before I did any healing or any uh, looking at my my past or any reflection or trauma work or any of that stuff, I thought my inner critic was amazing and that I had to have it to motivate myself. I was like in love with my inner critic and it was so mean. Like I really thought that like self like deprecating and being mean to myself was completely normal and that if I were to ever like let go of that that I would fall apart. So I almost idolized that mean voice in my head. I remember Um, yeah. And I obviously struggled with body image stuff a lot. That was a huge part of my upbringing as well. We talked about that, I think with family wounds and bot. Yeah. Just, um, it definitely was passed down in my family to really, really hate ourselves. Honestly, it was really passed down that we just like, shouldn't, um, Mm -hmm. value ourselves really in any way, shape or form, unless we're helping other people. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much the only thing really praised in my, um, household. But I remember as I used to diet and like get obsessed with exercising, I used to have the meanest thoughts while I would run. I'd be like, God, like, look at you. Like, look how bad you're doing. Like, you need so much more of this running. And if I'd get tired, I'd be like, and this is why you're fat. Like, this is why you, because you quit. Like, just this like constant like terrible voice about every single thing I was doing, pretty much shaming myself through um, every experience I was going through, but thinking like that was motivating, like just a screwed up way of thinking. Um, I, I really believe that 
Yeah, shame has like a very, very loud voice and shame tends to really isolate us and thinking that we are like alone in our suffering. And I had just a lot of shame on looking weak or looking less than. And that really leads to kind of a comparison mindset. I remember I used to look at my friends and be like, yeah, they don't go through half the stuff I go through because they look perfect. Like they have much thinner bodies than me. People find them attractive. And yeah, thinking that, I almost deserve the problems that were happening to me because I just wasn't given the same luxuries as other people, which is completely BS. And everyone feels that way in some category of their life. You can't beat it. So even when I lost weight, the voice would find something else to compare. Like I remember when I was single, I would look at people and be like, well, life's obviously easy for them because they have a partner. Like how lucky for them, like to have someone that loves them. Just, it would creep into every single aspect of my life to avoid me looking at my own pain, but finding a reason why everyone else is so happy and I'm suffering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's when we explain that people are mirrors and how what you deflect on other people is actually a reflection of how you see yourself. (laughs) So absolutely. And I, I think what I've seen shift the most, my inner critic still comes. And as you said, like it's definitely way less loud and way less frequent, but I think one of the other big shifts I noticed is I used to be a pretty judgmental person. I used to look out, obviously, thinking those things about even close friends of mine is like, I mean... It was not the best way of thinking. Instead of looking at their highlights and hyping people up around me, I was constantly using them to compare my self-worth. But I also was so judgmental. I remember I used to look at people and think, um, well, that person's like way weirder than me or people think they're weird or yeah, you know, just it's it all comes in the comparison mindset. But yeah, judgmental voice has like pretty much been eliminated. I was telling Kat before we started, I I feel like pretty much anyone can do anything now. And I'm like, ah, okay, cool. That's their take. Just like so much more compassion towards others because I have it for myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I love that for you, no matter what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I really feel that way. And I definitely did not uh, Mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah, I feel that. And as you were speaking, I I had kind of like an aha moment um, with what you were sharing. And okay, you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> give, it, give it to me. <laughs> I think that people are afraid of loving themselves. Yeah. I think that a lot of people are afraid of like what that will mean and being so closely identified with the inner critic and with that voice that's like putting others down, putting yourself down that like, it's like a whole new identity and that's scary. And there's a lot of fear tied to that. And there's also like, how, how many times have you looked at a woman who loves herself or a man and been like, oh, they're cocky. Yeah, like, you put people down. Yeah. Yeah, like they think their shit don't stink. Like mm-hmm. I remember my mom <laughs> saying that about someone when I was growing up. And I was like, first of all, what's that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> the seed was planted. You're like, I gotta I was say like, what they that. think that when they go to the bathroom, it doesn't smell bad. <laughs> I was like, so confused. <laughs> That's your cat's right literal there. thinking. I love it. <laughs> Oh my god. But now I'm just like, okay, well like 
I, I guess there is a difference, you know, if mm-hmm. someone falsely is is trying to be like, I'm the best. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it's just a deeply rooted, there's no sense of putting that energy out there. And it's just like a, an unspoken confidence that they emanate. Absolutely. And so I think the biggest difference to take to tell those two things apart, self-absorbed is not Mm self-love. And I think one of the biggest problems is the way that self-love almost gets advertised is to buy yourself certain things and to like, it's very material focused and what you have, which really skirts along the self-absorbed or, um, yeah, kind of ego, ego-based mm-hmm. way of thinking. I think the big difference between when you're truly cultivating a sense of self-love is that that sense of compassion. And let me share like a little definition I had wrote down, but um, compassion involves learning to allow ourselves to move gently towards what scares us. Um, and so that is the the trick with it is like almost looking at that emotional distress without having this aversion to it and learning to, as we've said many times, like embrace our shadows. Um, another little definition I wrote was compassion is o- often best defined as an awareness of our imperfections that leads us to the ability to be patient with other people's imperfections and mm-hmm. our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... If the voice of self-love is making you look at others more harshly, perhaps it's maybe not that full compassionate sense of self-love and more, um, yeah, maybe self-seeking or like self-elevating, which if you're elevating self, then you're putting self on a pedestal and not bringing others with you. Mm -hmm. I think true self-love embodies an extension of that love and compassion to the people around you too. And you see that difference. Definitely. So agree. Yes. I love that definition too. It's really, really nice. So we want to help you with some tools um, that lead way to self-compassion. Something that really has helped me along my my journey is being able to identify that inner critic of mine, that part of me that gets loud and brings me down when I'm having like a pretty good day. And then all of a sudden, like that inner self gets really just like boisterous. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the feelings of shame, guilt, fear, worthlessness all settle in. And I know I'm not unique. I know we all have this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also kind of freeing is like, it's not just one person. Like it's not just you. We all have this. And that's a little humbling. So here's some steps. Something that's really helped me is to name it. So when you identify this negative like voice that's bringing you down, like call it something. I'm doing this with one of my clients right now, and um, I'm just going to say her name because you don't know her. You know her. Um, but she's named this voice Stinky Sarah, and her name's Sarah. I love <laughs> like, it. And she came to that name because in the moment, she was like, this will make me laugh when I say it. Yes, <laughs> you know? which extends compassion already. Like, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that. And so it's like a loving relationship that you extend. It's like a hand of like, okay, Stinky Sarah, I see you. I hear you. What's going on? <laughs> so that's step one is to name it. Step two is to write down its personality traits. So think about what's happening in your life when it gets loud. Maybe its personality traits are like to protect you, to make you feel like 
you know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's it's not good. So just take a look at when it gets loud. Maybe it's when you're numbing out. Maybe it's when you're um, having a lot of screen time. Maybe it's when you're feeling guilt for not doing something that you said you would. Maybe it's when you're comparing yourself to someone else. That's when it gets really loud for me is like the comparison game. So that's really common. Yeah. And what you said, a thought that triggered when you are working on kind of hearing the voice and what it sounds like, what it usually says and what's happening when that voice gets louder. I like to also like think of, I used to be fine with that voice for current version of myself, but I, I think that's really the key to like inner child healing that you hear talked about a lot too. I like to picture like, okay, so if my inner critic is telling the current version of myself this, what would I like to say to little Jen? Mm -hmm. And it kind of helps me compartmentalize. Like I would never let little Jen hear half the stuff that the inner critic is saying to current Jen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I like to see that as almost two separate things too and then when I that I guess that's helped me develop a sense of self-compassion is when I could be like god if I told little Jen like god you're such an idiot for saying that like now everyone's gonna think you're stupid and you don't deserve to lead anybody or whatever the (laughs) voice says what would little Jen need to hear about those feelings that are coming up and often when we soothe that inner child I feel like the voice kind of loses all of its power. Yes. <laughs> Just want to chime on thinking of it. Yes. Yeah. Inner child work is definitely a big part of this yeah. because when you can see yourself as that younger version, it's like, you can't yell at a kid, you know? It's just Uh like they're automatically more innocent and there's a sweetness to it and you just automatically go into that space of compassion. So that can be a part of this too. Um, what What does this inner critic of yours look like? So try to really personify it. What do they sound like? Do they have a deep voice or is it kind of shrill? <laughs> and what what's their age? I think this one's really important yeah. because of like what you said. Chances are your inner critic might not be a little kid. You know, for me, it's more of a teenager. Those middle Mm -hmm. school years that middle schoolers are just so nasty. Yeah. (laughs) Like the nastiest of the ages in my experience. I think it's a voice of a parent a lot of times too. Like what, yeah, maybe an old version of yourself was receiving as a message like definitely comes from like an older, more dominant (laughs) person for me usually. Yes. And, And like you were just saying, Jen, like establish a relationship with it yeah so talk to this inner critic of yours as yourself now as your highest self your true self and ask it like what's going on so when you can pause and have these moments of awareness like that will feel like a massive step forward Mm -hmm. even just like having that moment once you've identified it and from there give yourself a whole lot of grace Like you have this moment of hardship, you identify where it's coming from, what it looks like, and then it's easier to move on, to like let yourself feel that and then be like, okay, that was what it was Mm -hmm. and it taught me something and now I'm back. Yes, beautiful. Love that. And yeah, to chime in on a couple more, um, if you've studied the work of Brene Brown, she is one of my favorites. I've read her books, all almost all of her books, I believe, but she talks a lot about shame. She was, she calls herself a shame researcher. She really studied what shame looks like for different people. Um, and as we said, shame tends to like isolate and pull you back. 
I think one of the most important things to cultivate a sense of self-love, first of all, is the awareness that we all are going through this. So yeah, knowing that that voice in your head is not just exclusive to you. This is something that everyone kind of struggles with. And so even with that, you can extend some compassion because yeah, you're not crazy for having this kind of awkward relationship with yourself. And that already is like a huge relief because I remember I really thought from uh, outside view that everyone else had not had some of these negative feelings. I really, really thought that for a very long time. I don't think it was until really I went to a really big yoga event for the first time where I actually saw people in their shadow side like screaming yelling crying but it was all release and just hearing the thoughts of what people have struggled with based on different traumatic experiences and stuff and just knowing that I was able to look at all of them and and be a friend for them in those moments. Like I knew how much I needed to be a friend to myself as well and that I wasn't alone in my ugly feelings. Um, so that helped me extend self-love to that. So a couple practices that I regularly do, I'm a big fan of mirror work. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I really tried to slowly develop a relationship with being able to look at myself in the mirror and either talk out loud and try to say really positive things, which at first used to make me feel like I was going to like throw up. Like that's how big of an aversion I had to hearing positive words. And as we kind of unpacked, probably because I loved my inner self-critic so much and I felt like if I accidentally gave myself too much leeway or softness that I would completely fail as a human. (laughs) I think I really (laughs) believed that. So yeah, sitting in the mirror and slowly practicing like hearing myself say words and absorb it and slowly integrate longer amounts of time on that and even just sitting in silence and locking eyes with myself in the mirror um you can dance in front of the mirror you can even practice like standing naked in front of the mirror that's definitely more advanced (laughs) but don't try that first or do yeah (laughs) hey hey just get it all done real quick um but yeah it's it's slowly looking at pieces that you love and why and if it's really hard to look at the current version of yourself maybe envision young you and what you really needed to hear because it's all those versions, I've heard it said this way, every single age you have lived is still within you. It's a bunch of different versions of yourself all played into your body. So working on even extending love to a past version of yourself so you can slowly build a relationship to the current version of you is a great place to start. Mm, yes, I love this so much. Yes, <laughs> I have another idea for you all, another tool uh, to help with self-compassion and um, it's called exposure therapy. This is something that I've practice myself and something I also help my coaching clients and and health coaching with, but it's basically like coming up with your list of fears, right? Not a fun activity, but something that we should all know, like, what are you afraid of? Like, oh, I don't know. Like, yes, we should know this off the top of Mm -hmm. our heads, I'd say. (laughs) At least some of them, right? Maybe not everything. But for me, I am deeply afraid of water, which is like really weird, but like being in deep open water, Yes, and also just being on boats. Like, I was stung by a jellyfish when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was in Greece, and there was (laughs) someone said pee on her and I just remember this man coming over about to pee on me I was like no traumatized Traumatized. like and so that whole experience has become 
become like such a trigger for me. Now it's just like rooted in um, <laughs> the water. That, uh, that whole experience. Great story. <laughs> Sorry about lot. your trauma. Sorry about your trauma. Thank I you, really thank am. you. Holding oh, space. Oh my god, it's hilarious. We can laugh. <laughs> we can laugh now. Um, but something I've worked on with this is to my expose myself to water and not let it hold me back mm. from things that like would normally be fun or are is fun to other people so examples um a group of my friends we all went camping a couple years ago and everyone wanted to rent a pontoon boat for the day and everyone was stoked no one would think that like this would be a problem for anyone Mm -hmm. at me Uh, (laughs) so i was like sure i'll rent Mm. a pontoon boat like kyle kyle my husband was like you sure? You sure you're going to be okay with this? So I was like, yeah, I can't just be the only one not doing this while everyone's out having fun. Like that would make me feel just as bad or probably worse. So I did it the whole time. I was like clenching onto the seat in the back because there were waves. But after the fact, you know, there were moments where I was able to have some fun and I'm really proud of myself for doing it. And whenever I, I do these things, um, my husband's usually with me and he usually tells me because <laughs> you're a brave little toaster and that's <laughs> so become our thing and I like get this like childlike joy in hearing yeah. that now of like I'm a brave little toaster and I'll I tell myself that. that now when I'm like either going to the doctors and I have to get a shot that's one of my other big fears and triggers that I have to expose myself uh-huh. to don't have as much of a choice especially with the COVID vaccine uh-huh. like I did that and I just like tell myself like I'm a brave old toaster I'm doing it I'm, uh-huh. I'm doing it and so exposing yourself in those ways but also lesser ways like yeah. if uh, you don't like a part of your body like for me it's always been my legs I would purposefully for a whole summer wear shorts like most days out in public which is something before that I never dreamed of doing before I heard about this idea and then what that does is it shows you that it's going to be okay yeah. You start to build that trust in yourself, in in the world, that, like, nothing bad's going to happen when you do the thing that you're afraid of. Yeah. And, yeah, courage and vulnerability, those are the two things, that, as you were talking, that definitely reign true in all the research on shame and what shame does to your body and how shame isolates you. The answer to those things is a sense of courage and vulnerability. And, yeah, I think we see that as being, like, I think sometimes we can create this image that that's going to be like really big steps and impossible steps, but really little steps make a big difference. Um, when vulnerability to me is just starting to share your story with a space that is safe. So connecting to people that, yeah, maybe you search in your area, people that either have gatherings or meetups or find a group that is into the same stuff as you and practice slowly sharing sides of yourself that you normally wouldn't. That is definitely what I learned from the yoga community was you know, we take turns around a circle talking and I'd be terrified or like, let me think of what I'm going to say before, you know, all these like planning things. And then just like speaking rawly and just letting it be messy and knowing that I don't have to laugh my mistakes away or like, um, yeah, think I'm a failure for not having the words come out in this perfect, fluid way that it's okay. And there's not one person that has never messed up in the way they talk. Like just, it's a lie. It was a lie that I had built for myself that my voice wasn't worthy 
that was a huge part of where I needed to extend a lot of self-love and compassion but slowly using my voice in small ways for those who follow me on TikTok like my very first TikTok I was like convulsing I was so scared like I was terrified and to the point where I'm at now I'm like do TikToks all the time (laughs) queen (laughs) (laughs) um it's just yeah it's it's a sense of bravery and it starts in small steps and those steps might be recording your own voice at home then listening to it back dancing for a video and then watching it it can be so small or it can be done with community if you have um a safe space and yeah we definitely are trying to build our community with awaken together too so Mm -hmm. know that we are here and we know that this journey is easier said than done and everyone's road looks a little different but learning to become your best your own best friend is the most beautiful and worth it journey and I think it helps the collective at large Mm -hmm. so much (laughs) yes yes beautiful and that's that's the point of it all right you spend more time with yourself than anyone else your whole life so you better learn to love yourself yes (laughs) yeah and and the opposite of love I remember this blew my mind the opposite of love is not hate the opposite of love is fear because mm. fear drives division and hate and all like apathy and all of those really down feelings. So if you can confront those fears and learn to trust, then the love comes more easily. Yes. Yeah. So with this, we want to segue into um, from this point of loving kindness into the topic and the concept of meta, meta meditation in particular. Meta meditation is a practice of developing positive feelings first towards yourself and then towards others. And I have a little quote from the Buddha. He once said that unless we treat ourselves with love and compassion, we cannot reflect the same on others. Once we start experiencing self-love and self-compassion for ourselves, we can then show the same to others too. So meta meditation, it is near and dear to my heart. Um, For a part of my wedding this past year, we didn't do anything like in a church or anything, um, you know, religious based, but it was really important to our families that we still had like a spiritual aspect and it was also important to us. So the common ground we found was um, leading a meditation. So my good friend, uh, Shaylin, she officiated um, and led everyone through a meta meditation. I love that. (laughs) It's very similar to the one that I'm going to lead you to today. So no, it's like near and dear to my heart. And there are a lot of benefits to this this type of meditation. It increases self-compassion. It also increases focus and attention and a deep sense of emotional strength that balances our thoughts and actions. Should we do it? Uh, I'm ready. Sitting up tall. (laughs) All right. Good. So everybody, please, um, if you're in a place where you can meditate, I love for you to just keep playing this. If you're not, maybe you pause this and plan a time where you can return to it and be fully present. Even if you're walking or driving, it's still a great time. So please take the next few moments to settle in to your physical body. Find that place where you can close your eyes if you're able or find a soft gaze. Just tune into your body 
make any minor adjustments, and then let everything fall heavy. We'll start with a few minutes of concentration practice just to help our minds settle and arrive in our present time experience. So as you allow the body to resume to natural breathing, see where in your body you can feel your breath. It may be in your belly, where you can feel it rising and falling as your body breathes. It might be in your chest, where you may notice the expansion and contraction as your body inhales and exhales. Perhaps it's at the nostrils, where you can feel a slight tickle as the air comes in, and the subtle warmth as your body exhales. You can pick one spot to stick with for this meditation practice. As you feel your body breathing, try to stick with the breath all the way through. Stick with it from the beginning of the inhale all the way through the end of the exhale. You may have noticed your mind wandering, and that's okay. When the mind wanders, it really offers us an opportunity to cultivate mindfulness and concentration. Each time we notice the mind wandering, we're strengthening our ability to recognize our experience. And each time we bring the mind back to breath, we're strengthening our ability to focus on an object. So treat it as an opportunity rather than a problem and just return to breath. You can begin the practice by bringing to mind yourself as you sit here right now. Try to connect with your own deepest intentions for happiness, ease, and safety. You don't need to dive into what stories will make you happy, but rather connect with that natural desire you have. You can cultivate this intention to open the heart to your own well-being by silently offering yourself some phrases of meta. In your head, slowly offer yourself the phrases. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be free. You can offer these phrases silently in your head, saying them slowly enough that you can connect with their meaning and the intention behind them. You can now bring to mind a good friend. This may be a loved one, a teacher, a mentor, or maybe even a pet. You can connect with your natural desire to see this being happy and at ease. Just like you, they also want to be happy, to feel safe 
and to be healthy. In an effort to cultivate this intention of kindness, you can offer this being a few phrases of metta. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free. As you let this soul go from your mind, bring to mind a neutral person. This is someone you see maybe regularly, but don't know very well. It might be somebody who works somewhere you go a lot, a coworker, maybe a neighbor. And although you don't know this person well, you can also recognize that this person wants to be happy as well. You don't need to know what their happiness looks like necessarily. Again, offer this person the phrases of loving kindness, connecting with the intention to care about their well-being. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free. And as you let this neutral person go, bring to mind somebody who you find difficult. You may not want to pick the most difficult person in your life. Instead, choosing someone who is minorly difficult. Maybe it's someone you find yourself agitated with or annoyed by. You can offer the phrases. Recognizing that this is connecting with our intention to care for this person. Although we may not mean it wholeheartedly every time we offer a phrase, we can make an effort with the phrases. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free. Take a deep inhale through your nose. Open your mouth, send it out. Guide your awareness back to your breath, back into your body, back into the space in which you're inhabiting. Allow your eyes to flutter back open and rejoin you in this present moment. Welcome back. Thank you, Kat. Yeah. So 
So I always recommend after a meditation like this to journal if you can, if you don't have a pen and paper handy, maybe the notes up on your phone or just think about how that meditation made you feel, what your experience was like, and what it left you thinking. Perfect. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>